Okay. This morning's scripture reading comes from John chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Okay, praise God. Thank you, Brother Brandon. Amen. Came down from heaven. And tying into the Christmas season that we have going on, you wonder maybe how does that tie into anything. But the mere, the Christian method, the Christmas message has so much meaning for us today. Now, next week being the last Sunday before Christmas, I'll give the message more on the actual birth of Jesus. But I want to look at a couple of things concerning this season. Uh, last week we talked about, about why Jesus was born, the need for Jesus. We looked at how Israel, ancient Israel, was performing and the sin where mankind was running rampant and God said that I will send a Savior. And it was uh, prophesied back in Isaiah, which was written some 800 years prior to the birth of Christ. And so we see how that was prophesied. And now I want to look at what, what in theology they call the annunciation of Jesus or the announcement of his birth. We're going to look at that. But even in that process, there was just such a powerful, meaningful lesson for us to be learned, even from when Holy Spirit came and spoke to Mary about how she was going to become pregnant with Jesus. So everything in the Word of God, every, every event, everything that takes place, there's a message in there that applies to us today. Amen. If we know how to find it, if we know how to follow it. Okay. So you heard those scriptures there. We're going to come back and revisit those a, a little bit more. But I also want to look at how does that, how does the birth of Jesus, that we're going to talk more about next week, how does the enunciation or the announcement of his birth, how does that apply to us today? How does it work into our lives here in the, in the, in the 21st century? Amen. So why don't we start by going to uh, John 1. <clears throat> John 1. We're going, to follow, we're going to follow the process, okay? We, again, I said before, back in Isaiah, it was prophesied that Jesus would come because he was, he was badly, he was sorely needed. Mankind had, had really gone astray and was running rampant in sin. So we're going to look, look at how did this process uh, actually start. And where did, where did Jesus start, okay? We know that at some point uh, Mary became pregnant with child and that he was born as a human being. But where, did, where does it really start with Jesus? So looking at John chapter 1, reading some very, very uh, familiar scriptures here, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So in the beginning, and the Word of God does not give us any time frame for that, but all we know that in, in some, at some unknowable time in the very distant past, God does not put a date on if it was even possible to be a date. It's simply the saying that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is referring to Jesus Christ. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it establishes right on that the Trinity existed. It, it existed way before anything else happened, all right? And Jesus was there. Now, this is obviously way before Jesus came to earth as a, as a human being. So we know that from the beginning, Jesus was right there in heaven. It, it, it was the Word, it was Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. At the same time he was with God, he was also God, the Trinity being God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So everything that was created, this is where we have some insight here. We see that Jesus Christ did the actual creation. Everything that was made was made by him, okay? So at some point when God said, light be, you know, the Genesis 1 says, let there be light. But in the, original, um, in the original Hebrew manuscripts, it simply says, light be, which mean, meant that God just said, light exists. Boom. And light existed. So the way I kind of almost envision that happening is like God is, the, is the, the master contractor, so to speak. And he's saying, light be. And Jesus takes that order and gives the command to make it happen. Okay, Jesus actually made it happen. The power that made it happen was Holy Spirit. So this is how the Trinity is working together. God is being the big cheese, so well, not being disrespectful in saying that, but God being, being the, big, the big man, he says, light be. Jesus says, yes, Father, I hear you. I'm going to carry out that action. I'm going to make it happen. And then the actual tool that he uses to make it happen is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Think about the light switch. You know, I say... Brandon, turn on the lights, you know, and Brandon swifts, flips the light switch, but the electricity is what goes through and illuminates the bulbs. Amen. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit that carried out the actual work, but Jesus made it happen. And that's what it says. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness overcame it not. Okay, so we see here way back when now it talks about tells us first of all Jesus existed in heaven. Okay, he was the creator. All things were made by him, and he was the life, and he was also the light of men. So then we see now. So so Jesus was there. Then there comes the time. Let's go to um, Luke one. Then there comes the time where you know I always kind of think of almost like there's a a, a, a conference uh, a conference in, in heaven. You know. God the Father, Holy Spirit, and Jesus, and they're saying, um, you know, we're going to go. You're going to go down on a mission, son. You know, and at some point, Jesus obviously was obedient to that. And so then there was the time when God said, "Okay, we're going to make this happen." And how did this go about happening? Now, okay, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then at some point now, Jesus is going to make this transition down to earth. The reason being why, because as we learned last week, mankind was steeped in sin, and God was wanted to bring man back to him. Jesus in heaven, so now he's going to come to earth. So in Luke 1, and if we go to verse number 26, verse number 26, this is what's called the Annunciation of Jesus' birth. 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. All right. So now in the sixth month, um, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Now, underline the word Gabriel there because you'll see Gabriel uh, is talked about many, many times, and he is also the angel that is known to be the announcer, if you will. You know that when uh, the last trumpet is blown, Gabriel is supposed to be the one that's blowing the, the trumpet and so on. So he's the one that's always making an announcement. Just as a side note, if you go back to Luke um, Luke 1, verse 19, let's go back to the verse number 19, 
And you see also, and the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now, not to sidetrack too much, but I just want to show you again, Gabriel is the one that's making the announcement. This is talking about John the Baptist. When he came to, um, to announce the coming of John the Baptist. So now going back, I don't want to get you sidetracked too much. So going back to 26 now, we see Gabriel made this announcement. 27, verse 27, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, house of David, virgin's name was Mary. 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou who art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Please underline that. Blessed art thou among women. This is where the Catholic religion took, you know, blessed art thou among women and took this whole thing and started praying to Mary. They took it from here. But this is not implying that, that Mary should be prayed to or anything else. We're not to pray to Mary. We're only to pray to God in the name of Jesus. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered in her mind what manner of greeting this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Please in the line, fear not, because again, whenever an angel is speaking to you, they quickly say to you, fear not, meaning that we're not to fear angels. Amen? Amen? For thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Please in the line, shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Please note the line, the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Underline it, of his kingdom there shall be no end. So this angel appears to Mary. Can you imagine how she must have felt? This angel appears to Here she's engaged to this guy. She's engaged to Joseph. And this angel is coming to say that you're going to have this child and what he's going to be called and so on and what's going to be his future. So verse 34 says, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Please line, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She'd never been with a man, so how all of a sudden is she going to become um, pregnant? Under, uh, and uh, from how shall this be, draw a line into your margin and write the word doubt. And write the word doubt. Right? So here she's hearing this. The angel came and told her all of these things to come, yet to come. And she's saying, how shall this be? So she's doubting. Verse 35 says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Please in the line, the holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Please underline, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Underline that, and then write in your margin, reassurance. Reassurance. So, so far now, in your margin, you have two things. You have doubt, and then you have reassurance. Mary doubted what was being said to her, because it didn't make sense to her. The angel came back and said, with God, nothing is impossible. So the angel is reassuring her. And, and he's referring back to the scriptures that I showed you before where in verse 19, where Gabriel was, was announcing, uh, announcing here. Um, at the same time, 
Elizabeth, who was John the Baptist's mother, was also barren and could not have children. The angel came and announced that she was going to become pregnant. Mary went to travel. This was Mary's cousin. Mary went to visit Elizabeth. And at the time that Mary walked up to Elizabeth, the baby, who was now in the sixth month, leaped in her womb. Because the baby, John the Baptist, in the womb, recognized the presence of Mary and what was about to be done. Amen? Amen? So we see the spiritual realities of what's happening and how nothing is impossible with God. So that's why the angel is saying, um, And behold, your cousin Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. So the angel is reassuring her. And then here in verse number 38 it says, And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Please underline that. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. All right? So we see here now, we see here that right in your margin from be it unto me according to thy word, right in your margin, submission. Right in your margin, submission. Okay? So now you should have three things written in your margin. Doubt, reassurance, and submission. So the lesson for us today in the 20, 21st century here, when you think about these events that happen here, the same thing happens in our lives. God will come and give you a message about something or something you may be praying about or there may not something you may not be praying about, but it may be something on God's mind. It may be something that God wants you to do. And when you hear this word from God, many times what enters into our hearts is, is also doubt. There's also doubt, you see? But when that doubt creeps in, you know, and then if you continue praying, God will come back. He will give you the reassurance. And the reassurance is written throughout God's word where it tells us that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. You know, with God, nothing is impossible. And a host of other promises are there. So when doubt creeps in, when we first hear from God, then God will also give us the reassurance that what you're hearing is indeed of me and that I am indeed going to be able to bring you to, to do whatever this thing is I'm telling you to do. And then lastly, in order for us to have peace of mind, we have to submit the same way that Mary did. Mary, Mary had these doubts. How can this happen? I've never been with a man. You're telling me I'm going to become pregnant? The angel comes back and he says, with God, nothing is impossible. Reassured her. So when you have this thing coming into your life that seems like it's totally impossible for you to overcome, you can't figure out how it's going to happen or how it's going to come to pass, God, Holy Spirit, will reassure you that with God, everything, anything is possible and nothing is impossible with God. So the doubt that hits your mind, if you listen, God will reassure you. And then at that point, when God is giving you this dosage of reassurance, you have to stand back and say, all right, Lord, I submit. I submit. What did Mary say? Mary said, um, uh, um, <clears throat> Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. You see? And that's the most difficult thing for us to do as human beings, is to simply submit to God and say, Okay, God, you said it, you reassured me, so whatever it is you want to do with me, take me, I'm yours, do, it, do what you will. Amen? We have to learn to become more pliant in the hands of God. We cannot be like stone statues. You have to at some point give in to God because the more you just give in, you're banging your head against the wall. You see, you know, and why bang your head against the wall? What he's doing for you is, is a good thing. Amen. What he's planning for you is a good thing. So even though when this thing comes into your life and like Mary, you're saying, you know, oh, gee, was the Lord. I never did. How could this be possible? She said, how could this be possible? I've never known a man. How can I be pregnant? 
How can I get that position? I don't have a degree. How can I get this position? I don't have the experience. How can I get this house? I don't have the money in the bank. How can I? How can I? How can I? With God, all things are possible. Amen? When you realize that, then you finally say to yourself, Okay, Lord, I'm going to stop trying to reason it. I'm going to stop trying to reason it. Mary didn't sit back and try and figure out the biology of it. At that point, she just simply said, do with me as you will, if you will. Amen? So we see here through the enunciation of Jesus, there's a life lesson to be learned. Amen? Now, go back to the book of John. Back to the book of John. So we, and next week we'll go into the actual birth because there are some very interesting facts that took place during, um, during the birth process. Had, you know, the events leading up to it. John uh, chapter 6. So we know that we know that Jesus was born, and he grew. He grew very well, and then he went into ministry. Amen. After he grew and, and was baptized, and who baptized Jesus, we know it was John the Baptist, who was his cousin. After he was baptized, you know, and the Holy Spirit, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, says that the dove came down upon him. This is my son, and who I'm, I'm well pleased. And Jesus went off into the desert, and boom, as soon as he went off into the desert, what happened? He got attacked by the devil. Okay, the three temptations that we all know about. The same process follows in our lives. You know, you're Holy Spirit filled, you accept Jesus, you're Holy Spirit filled, and then that's when all heck seems to break loose in your life. So you need to know the Word of God. So after Jesus was born, he went into this ministry, when his ministry started, but he always referred back to who he was and where he came from. You see? He referred back to who he was and where he came from. So let's look at um, verse number 20. John 6, and let me see, I want to start at verse number 30. Okay, John 6, verse number 30. They said, therefore, unto him, meaning Jesus, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, underline verily, verily, because remember I said, when you see verily, verily, and there, here comes a dynamite, very powerful spiritual truth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. My Father giveth you true bread from heaven. Please underline that. My Father giveth you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is who is he who cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Okay? And giveth life unto the world. So please underline that. For the bread of God is he who cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Alright? So now you see here Jesus is making reference back to what we just read before in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. So now Jesus is saying that the true bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives, and gives life unto the, uh, to the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. So what Jesus is doing there is he's very skillfully making comparison between the manna that was given to them by Moses, okay, to himself, which is spiritual bread. The spiritual bread of life which comes down from heaven, which is obviously more important than physical bread that we eat. 
um, verse number 36 says, But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no, no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. All right. So this is, again, it's focusing on Jesus here actually coming down to heaven for a reason. Yes, Jesus was born at this time that we celebrate and call Christmas. Um, Jesus was born of a virgin. But the work that he came to do just really started there with his birth. You see, and we have to realize that Jesus did indeed come down from heaven to us and that he is the bread of life. We cannot be sustained. There's more to sustaining us than just physical bread. There's more to sustaining us than just the things of the world. It's actually Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. Um, for I came down from heaven not to, um, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will who hath sent me, that all that he hath given me, that, all, all, that of all that he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay? Now, please put a highlight around all of verse number 40, because this is very important. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Remember the condition that mankind was in? Back, back in Isaiah, when God said, I will send someone, I will send a Savior for mankind. Well, this is the answer here. It says, this is the will of him that sent. It's God's will that if you believe on the Son, that you'll have everlasting life. And I don't care how you slice it. I don't care what anyone else wants to say about some other person, some other God or whatever, some other religion or so forth like that. Jesus Christ is the only way that we're going to see heaven and we're going to, we're going to, to, uh, to get to have everlasting life. God sent him for no other reason but for that. Amen. So everything that we know about what's called Christmas, how he was born and everything, what Jesus preached during his time of ministry here um, tells us why he came here, why he was sent. So that anyone that believes in him may have everlasting life. Verse 41 says, The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus? Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how is it then that he says, I came down from heaven? So what they're doing now, they're reflecting back and they're saying, wait a minute now, isn't that that little skinny guy who used to live on the corner? You know, isn't that the, the mom? I know mom and dad. I used to see them in Winco all the time. You know, okay. I used to see them in Winco. I see them in Walmart all the time. You know, how is this the person here that's now going to stand there and tell me that he came to save the world? That I can only have everlasting lasting life through him, you see? And, and this whole brilliant plan of God to have Jesus born the way he was, was born, which we'll look at more next week, but in, in, in such simplicity, in, in, in humility. You know, he was not born of rich, you know, silver spoon people and all parents and all of that. You know, he was not. And so the Jews here, they're murmuring now. They're upset. You know, how dare this, this guy say that? Verse number 43 says, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not amongst yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father who has sent me draw him. No man can come to me except the Father who hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Every single person sitting in the sanctuary here today was drawn by God. Every single one, okay? 
If you weren't drawn by God, you wouldn't be here. Simple as that. You were drawn by God. So now that you've been drawn by God, what's the next step? That's what you should be asking yourself. Okay, and you may not even realize at the time that you were being drawn by God, but all you know is that there was something inside of you. You know, many of us, you know, there was something that you were either looking for, something you were drawn to. You knew that there was something else better out there. You knew that the, the sum total of your life was not fulfilling what it is that you wanted to do, you know. And many times, many of us are born in the church, you know, like these kids that are here today, these children that are here today, they're born in the church. They've always been in church. They were, they were prayed over from the time that they were in the womb. My, my sons and daughter were prayed over from the time they were in the womb and they were in the church. But as you grow into adulthood, even before you get into adulthood, it kind of starts when you're in, in, in school, you know, elementary school and junior high school with the forces and the other kids, you know, who are not saved, who are unbelievers. I mean, things in the world are coming at you and binging in your head and in your spirit. And then you tend to sometimes you may drift away a little bit. But that God call that was in you from the time you're in the womb remains there, you know, and you may go astray for a little bit like the prodigal son. You may get off and run astray like the prodigal son did, you know. But God is always calling to you. Holy Spirit's always calling to you, you know. And at some point, you yield. You give in, you know. And I suspect that's why many of us, many of us are here today. I know I certainly did not go, you know, did not always stay in the Lord and was certainly not running around when I was nine years old saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah. You know, God bless you. God bless you. You know, no, 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 no. You know, I was very much active the way the other guys were in the block and, and so forth, you know. But God was always calling. And as I got older and older and older and older, I knew that there was something better. There was something more, you know. And I suspect that's where, where, where many of you have been at the same place in your life. God is calling you. Amen. God, God has called you, you see. And so, and so he's saying there, um, uh, where, where were we there? What, uh, what, what verse did I just leave? Uh, no man can, no, no, 44. No man can come to me except the Father who has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You see, so you, so you are being drawn. It is, written, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be... They shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that have heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Let, let me just go back for a minute. I just feel compelled to say this. People in our lives, people in our lives that we have concerns for, people in our lives, loved ones, uh, people that we know that aren't there yet, that you're concerned about, that you worry about. God is calling them. God calls everybody, you know. You know, God, God at some point called Hitler, Mussolini. It is not God's will that any human being on this planet Earth should perish. So those that you're thinking about, especially during this time of year, this holiday season, this Christmas season, you know, where so many, so many emotions are kind of gelled up or ginned up in our spirits. You know, what kind of hurts me is when I, if, if I happen to be out on Christmas Eve and, or if I remember when the, the kids were younger and I forgot to put batteries in the toys and I had to run out and find the store that had batteries. But I'd pass a McDonald's or something like that on Christmas Day and there were people in, people in McDonald's and some people just are out and about. We went to the movies yesterday and 
I saw a number of movies being released on Christmas Day, you know, and I, I leaned over to Tanya and I said, why would movies be coming out on Christmas Day? I don't understand. And she reminded me, she said, don't forget, there are a lot of people who have nothing to do on Christmas Day. No families, no loved ones, you know. So God is calling to everyone. So if there is someone that you know that you're troubled over and whatnot, give them to the Lord. Lift them up in prayer because God is calling them. God is calling them, you know. And in those quiet times, you know, even the atheist has an issue with God. So the atheist claims that they don't recognize or deny God. But they have such a problem with God, they know that, they know that he's there. They know that he's there. So they, they try to deny it intellectually, but they know that he's there. They, they're human beings also. So God calls. It's a matter of whether or not you respond. So all we can do during this time of year for those people who are not giving in to the call of God is to lift them up in prayer. You know, you know spend some time besides opening your gifts, sometime during the course of Christmas Day. Spend some time on reflection, knowing that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That God decided to come down to earth to save mankind. That God was here with us, walking this earth for three and a half years with a tremendous ministry, giving us some dynamite truths, some of which we're reading right now. You know, But recognizing that you would not be where you are today if you hadn't yielded to the call of God. If in essence you hadn't done what Mary did. You submitted by saying, yes, Lord, do with me um, as you will. Okay? So we see there again, just to reread verse 45, it is written in the prophets, uh, and they shall be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and has learned of the Father comes unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father except he who is of God. He has seen the Father. No one has seen God the Father except for Jesus. That's what this is saying. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. The question that I would just put to you today is, do you really believe that? Amen? Do you really believe that you have everlasting life? You know? And when you think about it, you know, what does that really mean? How is your eternity going to be? You know, if you're believing in God and Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you've submitted yourself to Him, you know, you will be spending eternity right there in heaven. Eternity is a very long time. It's a very long time. Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that came down from heaven that a man may eat of and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Amen. So, so he's saying, saying here that he is the bread of life and that he is the one that truly sustains us. The Jews, therefore, strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You know, and to me, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. But they just didn't get it. You know, I mean, they just didn't get it. I mean, they pictured it, you know, being, come, becoming cannibalistic or something. And, well, I'll, I'll take an arm, I'll take a foot. You know, how can, you know, but th these people, they just don't get it. They are so far removed. And we sit here and, and we chuckle 
But do you know how many other spiritual things or biblical things you have quoted to people and they kind of look at you with a dazed look because what they're thinking, what you are saying is so far from reality, it doesn't make any sense at all. You see, so it continues even today as we are speaking to people. Many of the things that we know that we, we deeply understand, many folks just don't get it. They just do not understand. Okay, so he says, how can this man uh, give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood um, has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Okay, dwells in me obviously means that he you know, lives in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father. Living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your father did eat manna, and are dead. He that eats of this bread shall live forever. Okay, so again now, Jesus is referring back to the fact that he was indeed in heaven. That he was in heaven. These things um, said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, <clears throat> many therefore of his uh, disciples, when they had heard this, said, "This is a hard saying. Who can hear it?" When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, "Does this offend you? What if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing." The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Please underline, they are spirit and they are life. But, these are, these are, but there are some of you who, that, who believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him by my Father. All right? So, again, now, you see... Jesus coming from heaven, Jesus being born of a virgin, Jesus um, um, coming here and following the will of the Father so that, that the, the Father could have him come to, uh, to call you, amen, and therefore by you giving in to the call and submitting yourself to Jesus, now you have eternal life. Few last few verses here. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Isn't that interesting? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. How willing are you to walk with Jesus? How long are you willing to walk with Jesus? It's mighty, it's mighty interesting that some of his own followers here at some point, at that point, decided not to follow him anymore. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? These were the final twelve, the close ones around him. Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he was that, uh, he was, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Amen? Amen? So you see, Jesus here comes and he tells them a, uh, a mighty, mighty, uh, a mighty, mighty truth here about how we should be following him. We know that Jesus went on and did mighty, mighty powerful things. And just to go back with the real closing here, go to John 6, verse 15. Matter of fact, let me see. 
As a matter of fact, go to Matthew 14. Matthew 14 instead of John. Matthew 14. Okay. So knowing all of that, Jesus being with God in the beginning, Jesus coming uh, uh, to the virgin, how Jesus made reference to the fact that he was the bread that was sent from heaven for us. The last thing to focus on here during this Christian season here, Christmas season, which is a powerful Christian season, go to Matthew 14 and verse number 22. And we're just going to go through these verses here in closing. Because we need to remember during this season especially um, how important it is to keep our eyes on Jesus. Verse 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the boat and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Uh, the word there, constrained, uh, straightway Jesus constrained, he directed them to go to the other side. Jesus didn't say, get in the boat, maybe I'll see you on the other side. Maybe you'll get to the other side. He said, go to the other side, meaning that he intended for them to be there. <laughs> they felt they would be there. On the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain privately to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. See, now there, even Jesus needed some downtime. He, he got himself privately, he went alone to, to pray, which is something that we should focus on doing also, is spending some downtime with God. But the boat was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. Underline the word be, if, I'm sorry. Lord, if it be thou, come unto me on the water, that I come unto thee on the water. Now here, Jesus said, it is I. Jesus made a statement, and right away, Peter is, is voicing some doubt there too, because he said, if it's you, if it's you. If I saw Jesus walking on the water, first of all, I'd think, wow. All right? And then secondly, though, but you know, being with Jesus as Peter was, seeing his miracles and seeing the things that he did, why would he even have any doubt that it's he? Especially if Jesus said, be not afraid, it's me. You see, so you see how quickly doubt can creep into, into your head. If it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. 29, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. So underline, please, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Underline all of that. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? Underline, please, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they were coming to the boat, the wind ceased. Then, then they that were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. So the point that is being made here, we know that Jesus was born of the Virgin. We know that during this season what Jesus' purpose was, that we need to constantly keep our eyes on Jesus. Peter was doing fine. He was walking on the water. The storm came up in, his, in, in front of him, distracted him. He looked away from Jesus, and that's when he began to sink. sink. The same thing happens in our lives. As long as we are keeping our eyes on Jesus and focusing on, focusing on Jesus, whatever may be going on in your life, the storms of life, 
life that come into our, into our lives, the waters that seem to be too deep for us, we will stay on top of those things as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus. But the devil knows that. So what he tries to do is that he tries to distract us. He'll bring up another storm, another wind or something will come on to get you to keep your eyes off of, take your eyes off of Jesus. And the minute you take your eyes off of Jesus, that's when you also start sinking. And as, as Jesus said to Peter, oh, you of little faith, why did you not believe? So whatever that thing might be that may come into your life that may seem to be so difficult, first of all, do not doubt it. Remember, remember what we saw with Mary. Do not doubt it. Look for God's reassurance that God is indeed possible to make, is possible to make this thing happen in your life. Once you see that reassurance, take that reassurance and believe on it and then simply submit to God. Submit to God to do whatever it is that he's telling you to do. And then as long as you keep your eyes focused on him, then you too will walk over, you know, on the surface of the waters of life instead of sinking down. You know, I hear it work so many times. People say, oh, how are you today? Oh, I'm just surviving. I'm just paddling, you know, and my, just keeping my neck above water, you know. Well, I, I never say that. I'm walking on water. Amen. I'm walking. Yeah, how you doing? I'm walking on water, man. I'm walking on water. How are you doing that? How much time you got? You really want to know how I'm walking on water? I will never confess with my mouth that I'm sinking. I'm just barely keeping my or was it, I'm, I'm treading water or something? Yeah, I'm treading water and barely keeping my head above the surface. No, no, no. If you've got your eyes on Jesus and you've got the reassurances of God and you've submitted to him, and, and I don't care what storm is going on over there, don't look up at that storm. You keep your eyes focused on Jesus, then you'll be okay. You'll be okay. So remember that during this Christmas season, that, that with the birth, Jesus came down from heaven. It was all a part of the plan. And Jesus coming from heaven and being born of a virgin, and that was the beginning, just the beginning. You know, what we're about to celebrate next week is just the beginning of, of a host of promises and fulfillment of promises that God gave us in the scriptures. Amen? Amen? So I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.